thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara, who's madly in love with Damien Christoph. I just want everybody to know this. <laughs> well, I just want to say, take a number. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> it just so happens that he is our guest oh, today. Well, he is. So, bigger. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the biggest spunk on the face of the earth, Damien Christoph. I think that's my intro. It's uh, it's <laughs> such a pleasure. It's such a pleasure. I didn't know where we were going with that one. That's uh, so nice that you called me a spunk. Especially yeah. given our previous discussion. Anyway. Correct. Correct. Uh, yes. I couldn't not. I couldn't not. I had to. <laughs> Damien, you know that we've saved the best till last. I mean, that's what you told us to say off air, but it's absolutely true. We are very excited to finally have you on the show. And I know a lot of our listeners know a lot about you, but I think up for a chat that's going to get down and dirty and find out some stuff. And we need to hear stuff from you about all about you that other people may not have heard. So could you start off just by telling us how this whole health journey for you began and why how you've got to where you are today give us give us the rundown and give us the x-rated version if need be <laughs> well i'll try and keep it i'll try and keep it dirty just for you kimbo um thank you we um i started off my nutrition uh, a long time ago we used to get bags of bread delivered to our house um from the bakery via, via st vincent de paul we were really we grew up in the in the suburbs in the Bronx of Melbourne, a place called Dandenong. And it was, uh, we were very, very poor. And the St. Vincent de Paul used to send somebody around once a week um, with a, a rubbish bag, a garbage bag full of bread. And we would stick that in our microwave to make it fresh. And we'd search through and scrummage through to see if we could find a ham and cheese roll. That's basically what I grew up on. If we managed to get some white bread, we'd uh, put a couple of fish, uh, what are they called, fish fingers with some tomato sauce, maybe some processed cheese and stick that in the microwave just to warm that up. And that's kind of how we would, you know, nourish ourselves. But, you know, I suppose when you're really little and you're doing heaps of exercise, the repercussions of that aren't really that evident, particularly when, you know, everyone else around you was just tired as well. We just, you know, kind of just did what you did. So we just, you know, kept going. Um, anyway, long story short, I kind of got through high school and, and just really did just get through. And there was no real university that wanted to let me in. Um, and I found a university that would let me in. And it happened to be a university down in Geelong. And I was studying to be an accountant. And that's pretty boring. Like, I didn't, I didn't really get much out of it. in fact it took me two and a half years to pass first year accounting that's how much i loved it and um and i, and I partied a lot there's anything wrong with the accountants because i'm one oh well see i knew we had even more in common than what was you know, <laughs> than what most people talk about but i you know there's nothing wrong with accountants i'm glad that I they agree. do their job my accountant is actually hilarious he is hilarious but i and but i didn't want to be that so i spent heaps of time at the beach and heaps of time trying to learn how to surf 
and uh, and having lots of parties, lots of fun at the same time. And and I suppose that's where I got into herbal medicine. I started to experiment with some herbs, and uh, and those herbs expanded my consciousness. And <laughs> I got uh, I got the munchies, and so I found myself eating foods that were probably not ideal for even even worse than what I'd started with. And uh, and then went from there to you know develop. Uh, what some people will call as chronic fatigue syndrome or ME um, in New Zealand for our New Zealand listeners. And uh, and then, you know, found my way into naturopathy and a naturopath kind of saved my life and showed me how to get better and put me on an alkaline diet, acid alkaline diet. Um, and told me I needed to go 20, 2080. And so I did. And he was great. So then I thought, well, maybe I'm not cut out for this uh, accounting thing, studied to be a naturopath. And I went from there to do some postgraduate training in nutrition after studying naturopathy and uh, and then became a chiropractor so I went to New Zealand to study to be a chiropractor and then I, I did a TV show to teach people how to lose weight but along the way picked up a philosophy around food that I think you know Cindy and I both share that same philosophy around food and nutrition which is more about whole food and real food as opposed to you know subscribing to any one particular outfit that's kind of that's kind of the that's the that's the bare bones of it, I suppose. That's how I got there. Well, I didn't know this about you, Damien, that you um, were you know were quite poor and you ate wheat a lot of wheat, yeah, and, yeah, um, ham sandwiches, which would have been cured meats. I had not, and they probably had margarine on them in those days. So, well, yeah, we used to go for the little square container because we were concerned about um, dairy. So we got the square container that made um, a spread out of nuts, and mm. uh, we thought that was a better way to go, but. Um, you know, when you learn stuff along the way, you realise that having little square containers with spread or having the other ones that are made from olive oil or the things that are made from rice bran, even if it does lower your cholesterol, it's just not good for you. No, actually, you'll enjoy this. Um, we, my daughter, my youngest daughter has a, um, a boyfriend. They've been together for quite a few months and uh, he found margarine in the cupboard of my of my house. So I've had it there since 2002. It sits in um, <laughs> the hall cupboard. And he said, why, why, do you, why do you have margarine in your cupboard, Cindy? Um, I said, well, I want to see how long it's, it survives for. Like it's been sitting there since 2002. That's the use-by wow. date. And he says, wow. oh, my gosh, we have this in our fridge. We eat this stuff. <laughs> He's got <laughs> <up> to learn. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like I think God, there's a lot God of people out there. Him. God help him coming into the O'Meara household. He <laughs> clearly wasn't warned. I'm surprised he wasn't struck down walking into I the O'Meara reckon. household. <laughs> <Yeah>. I <reckon>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's learning, he's learning. So, yeah. Damien, um, you're like, I didn't realize it was naturopathy that you did. I've always, uh, um, is that funny? I've always thought you did uh, nutrition. I did it, that as well. So, oh, I did um, naturopathy first, then studied nutrition after. So, two years of that. Um, and then did also the, um, the Cairo course. So, I've done all this study, you know, I waste a lot of time doing accounting to then get into what I really love and what I'm um, passionate about. It's amazing, isn't it, to see how one step leads to another step. And it, obviously, you're probably still in the steps, no doubt. Is, this, is there anything else that's flicking your switch right now that's that's interesting you? <laughs> well, I look. I if I didn't go into uh, chiropractic, I was going to go into architecture because I'm fascinated with it. But oh, I think I'm going to stick in the health field. I've, you know, at the ripe old age of 43, I think it's time for me to uh, kind of batten down and, and just <laughs> keep on plugging away. You know. Be a bit consistent, you think? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. It's time for the crease, isn't it, Kim? You know, it's, uh, it's getting a little run in the singles and hitting a couple of fours and sixes from time to time. <laughs> well, you certainly bowl your maiden over a 
fair few times, so we don't need to worry about that. So. <laughs> oh, oh, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. <laughs> well, here, here, here we oh, go. Stop me there. Don't stop me, you spunk. Yeah, actually, Damo, you have the most amazing voice. Because I'm listening. I'm, I know how you look, but I was, I was, I'm just listening to your voice. I'm thinking, oh my god! If any of our listeners actually haven't seen you, you need to Google this guy because he is as good looking as his voice sounds. <laughs> He's one oh, of those guys. You say all the right things, Karen. <laughs> all the right things. Damien, I want to ask you your time in New Zealand. Tell us how long you were there for, and what were your biggest take homes, or I don't know. Did you love it? Did you enjoy being in New Zealand for the time that you were? <laughs> I love New Zealand. I honestly, absolutely love New Zealand. And in in a heartbeat, I'd move back to New Zealand. I just think it's just it's the ants pants. I love the culture. I love the scenery. I love the people. I really, there's just, there's something about New Zealand that is absolutely pure and, uh, and I, and I had an amazing time there. So I was there for four and a half years. I, um, I had a really amazing, unique opportunity to influence the health of New Zealanders and, uh, and that set a cascade in place where nutritionists and naturopaths could get into the media and that hasn't happened here in Australia at large except for where Cindy's, you know, managed to get in there and do some work. It's still not seen at large um, that what we do do is valid. And um, But in New Zealand, you know, we had the TV show Downsize Me. I did documentaries for Inside New Zealand. I was on radio every single week. And so there's a real opportunity to help influence the, the health of the population in a real sense, not prescribing extra drugs or giving them extra jabs or anything like that. It was actually literally helping them make healthy decisions about their life and 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 i you know I, I left new zealand with a heavy heart knowing that i probably would never return back there to work but i was coming back to australia to be with my son jackson um and to be with my wife amber but i i i just absolutely loved new zealand um damien what do you think are the biggest differences i mean you just said then it's very pure and green and you'd go back there. But in all honesty, I mean, I've just got back from America with Cindy and no one saw the difference. Um, but we all know down under there is quite a difference. Why do you think New Zealand, I mean, I'm not trying to be funny here, but when it comes to a lot of things, New Zealand seems very far ahead. Um, we've had gay marriages for over 25 years. We, um, our, our internet, fibre optic cables were in there about 15 years ago. Our banking system so eats all over the Australian one. Um, yep. Why is that? Why do you think that they are and why is Australia so um, slow in coming forward? What is it? I think um, in New Zealand they do it for the people. Uh, and you, you kind of see that, uh, you know, the, the politicians, they, they literally, they actually respect the fact that you're a Kiwi. You know, they, they really want to make New Zealand stand out. I think, you know, this maybe is a bit of a political statement, but I think that in Australia um, there's a lot of money coming from different industries and our government's swayed in terms of the policies that they make and they're not doing it for the people, they're doing it for industry or corporate. And it's, it's a, there's a very, very big difference uh, between the way in which the countries are run. I look at the way in which John Key made New Zealand incredibly successful. I look at what um, Helen Clark did, you know, before John Key and I think that, you know, together they did some great things for New Zealand, albeit they're from different parties. Uh, but I look at what's happening in Australia, you know, in the last 10 years of politics, and, and we're, not, we're not doing much, you know. In fact, we're making uh, policy changes that are very, um, 
nanny state. Uh, if something, if somebody wants something done or they want to encourage somebody to do something, they legislate it so then all of a sudden everyone has to do it. It's kind of a bit of a quasi-democracy here in Australia, whereas in New Zealand it's very, very pure. Uh, and I really, and I really like that. And I, I think the other thing is too that in New Zealand they really do give you a fair go. It used to be in Australia that you'd have a fair go, uh, and that that you had the opportunity to just keep on trying and failing. If you failed, then it'd be fine. But if one's really scared of doing something wrong in Australia, so they tend not to be, um, you know, getting stuck into, I suppose, research and development, unless it's medical research and development. Mm, it's so true. It's so true. And, and the, you know, I also think that one thing that saddens me in Australia compared to New Zealand is, is the cultural side of things. And oh, yeah. um, That's the, the Maori people are very, and the Pacific Islanders are very um, much a big part of every part of every day of every way. And we're very proud of it. And I think when I watch the haka, that to me is just in, in all rugby games, just epitomises it. Whether you follow rugby or not, when you watch that haka, it just says so much about the land and the people. And it really does. I, I really agree with you. So then tell me from your perspective, I mean, I know you came back here for family and I know it was around that. How do you think you've infiltrated and make it made a difference? I mean, you were the one that, were you not the one that was the mastermind behind the whole wellness um, guys? Like, how did that all come about? And is that the way that you thought you could help create an impact over here? Well, that's a thanks. I, I wouldn't say I was the mastermind. Definitely Lawrence, Brett and I did, you know, get together and talk all about it. It probably started off with Lawrence and I doing um, a coaching program for chiropractors, trying to bring wellness into their practices. And so we started with a little program called Wellness 2.0, uh, which is hilarious. Like if you jump onto YouTube and check out um, Damien and Lawrence on Wellness 2.0, there's an outtakes video. And sometimes Lawrence and I will just jump on there just to check it out and laugh again because it's just dumb. Anyway, so we started off doing that. And then Brett came along and uh, Lawrence and Brett had met somewhere. It must have been at a, at a conference. And they you know, got chatting about different things that we could do. Um, and I'd come back all gung-ho. I was still doing a lot of TV work in New Zealand. I had um, my music business in Australia. And I was taking it to New Zealand. So I was doing lots of traveling. I was doing lots of speaking and all those sorts of engagements. And they said, hey, why don't we all do this together? And I said, yep, cool, no worries. That'd be great. And I was working on some concepts for TV shows here in Australia. And, you know, the amazing thing is that my agent here in Australia said, you know, Damien, the one thing that goes against you in, in Australia for you being in the media is that you're a chiropractor. And, and she basically said that I needed to stop calling myself a chiropractor in order to get into the media in Australia, and I didn't want to do that And because uh, I felt that the work that I do as a chiropractor as well as the work I do as a nutritionist and a naturopath is equally as important. Um, but because of the prejudice, uh, she said, you should just drop it, and then you'd be right, then you'd be in the media. And you know, so maybe I should do that, but I did come over expecting that I'd be in the media a bit easier than what I have been, um, but still doing some great things. Um, so it, it kind of started because Brett and Lawrence and I just had a chat one day and said, let's do a podcast. And so the Wellness Guys was, was born. And then we realized that there's some unbelievable minds up in Queensland, and that was you girls. And we, uh, we thought, well, what an amazing thing to be able to share this information and make it go bigger and bigger and bigger. And so then the couch was born. Um, and so Up for a Chat came on board. And, um, and so then we, we kind of haven't looked back. It's just been going from strength to strength. You guys are amazing and you have such a huge following. And I, 
I think what's so cute about you guys is you're 30 minutes succinct and to the point, we're 60 minutes plus, and I'm not sure to the point is in our vocabulary. No, we never make it to the point. <laughs> uh, it's great. Well, that's the great thing about your podcast is it's a real conversation. And so, you know, when I listen to it in the car, and I do listen to it, girls, when I listen to it in the car, um, you know, I might drive for 15 minutes and then I'll, I'll jump back in and I might drive for 20 minutes and we pick up where we left off and then I might drive a five and we pick up where we left off and so after about three weeks i finished an episode and it's uh it's great i love it who's been who's been the like some of the most influential podcasts that you've done with the the boys on on the wellness guys what is what are some of the most profound podcasts you guys have been going for five years now so how yeah. some of those impacted your life what do you reckon are your, are your tops well, we're actually now at six years. Can you believe that? So six years we've been doing this for on a weekly basis. And so we've hit over 300 podcasts and, um, and it's just, it's, it's mind blowing that we're there. But some of the people that I've absolutely loved are being people more around the mindset thing, because, you know, from a nutrition thing, and Cindy, I reckon you'd get this too, is that so many people are hell bent on the nutrition argument that they're a little bit blindsided. They don't necessarily acknowledge that there's an ancestral component to food and that is what should guide us you know they're kind of like well this is my brand so that's what you've got to do or this is my brand they find all the research to go well this is the one that i'm going to support it and so they support it so i've listened to all the food ones and i've gone oh yeah that's interesting you know that's fun that's you know that's cool great um but i suppose coming back to what i've loved the most it's been the mindset people so people like trevor hendy like i loved trevor's uh once i I really enjoyed uh interviewing him um i i've really enjoyed you know in fact doing 100 not out has also been incredible for me in that it's reshaped my thinking in around food and lifestyle and nutrition and i think um the combination of the the mindset people in the wellness guys as well as all the old people in 100 not out that's kind of helped me understand where i should be in this health space and that is kind of educating people in around i suppose a balanced approach to a lifestyle that could enhance your longevity um so you know people like jan smith who's climbed the top seven peaks in the world and she just turned 70 something the other day and on her 70th birthday she summited mount everest and um you know the oldest the oldest person we ever interviewed was dexter kruger and he's still alive and he's still driving tractors up in queensland and he's 107 at the moment he wrote his seventh book he finished his seventh book i think the day that we uh, we interviewed him three years ago and so really fascinating people and just understanding what they do too has, has been amazing. Yeah. I, you know, it, it, it does. I do think that it's, um, it's an interesting point that you've raised there, Damo, in terms of, you know, in the health and wellness space, there's, there's and it's been going on for so long. There's, there's so much conversation about, um, you know, this diet versus that diet versus this diet versus that diet versus this diet versus that diet. And I think that's been going on ever since I was a small kid. You know, there was, there's always been some fad, there's always been something going on. And I think that, um, you know, the ones like Cindy that have been consistent all the way along, you know, that longevity that there's that, there's that consistent message in there. They're not riding the big highs and the lows and the big waves. And I think that that brings a lot more credibility to it. And then when you couple that with, um, you know, the influence that the mind has on the health and wellness of the body, it really brings a lot of potency and it really brings a lot of validity to a lot of conversations that, 
um, you know, can sometimes be a little bit uh, one-sided. And it's just, it's just, it's just something that's made me. Um, there was something I read in a magazine. I think I might have been on a plane. Actually, I can't quite remember it now. And I was reading it, and I and I felt frustrated. I felt really cranky, and I thought. I can't quite remember the details of it, and and please forgive me because I'm not going to recall everything here. But I remember reading it, and it was saying, um, you know, if if you forget about everything else, forget about um, the psychology of food, forget about your own psychology, forget about absolutely everything else, and just eat a certain way. It was a certain particular diet. Um, then you know you'll overcome depression, and you'll overcome. Um, diabetes and I think it was when we were doing a podcast of a friend of mine had um, been diagnosed with diabetes insulin dependent and it was a real shock to the system because it was somebody very close to me and I was reading something on the plane about it and I just felt really you know I just felt like there's there's this whole gap that there, there, there appears to be this in, this incredible gap on the mind-body connection and it's almost as if the brain is not the mind and the brain are not connected to the body. And if we just go one way, either just food or just psychology, then we'll be right. But it's not. It's, it's got to be a combined approach of the psychology of the human being. And, I'll, you know, I'm a classic example of that. Like meat could be fantastic for me, but I mess it up. You know, I make myself sick with it because of the way it's that I feel. It's definitely fantastic for you. It's definitely fantastic for you. <laughs> but it's not. It's not for me. It's not for me because I mess it up because I'm yeah. such an animal lover. So it, it makes me yeah. sick. Yeah, so, that's right. I mean, that whole uh, yeah, the body mind connection thing. You know, I think yeah, um, I hundred percent agree with you there because I think what's happened in our health space is that we've made everything so. Um, Part driven, so it's if you go to a specialist, you're um, spot on. They yeah. specialize in the hand or the upper limb, or maybe neuro, neurology or the gastrointestinal system or the cardiovascular system. They're not seeing the body as a whole, um, and so there's very little credence given to the connector of the whole of the body, which is the you know the mind and the spirit. And uh, and and so if you're looking at, at pieces of a body and you try to disassemble them or reassemble them or replace them or whatever, then you miss the whole essence of what a human um, experience is all about. Uh, obviously, we've got to keep people alive. That's really important. So if we can replace parts, then that's fabulous. But that's not healthcare. That's emergency disease care. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I couldn't agree, agree more with you because uh, it is a, a mind-body. We are actually interviewing someone, I think it's next week or the week after, and um, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Mm -hmm. And she um, followed Dr. Terry Wall's diet. Um, and, but what she also did was she followed Joe Dispenza. And she thinks that Joe was the, the one that took her past, yeah, was the catalyst that took her to the point where she had seven lesions to nothing. Mm. And she has all of her, I don't know what kind of radiography or what they do, but she, she has it to prove it. And, but so she's really a for Joe. In actual fact, Kim and I, while we were in New York, every night we did a Joe Dispenza meditation. Um, give it up, Kim. Give it up, Kim. 
<laughs> I just want you all to know. I want you to picture this, Karen. You're going to love this. The first night we're there, I want you, Damo, you can picture this. We are lying in bed fast asleep. We've listened to the meditation and it's almost completely finished. And I just realized I needed to go to the bathroom. And all I can hear is Cindy snoring. I, I, I just know she's in a deep breathing. She's asleep. She's gone. The meditation's finished by the time I've been to the toilet. I come and get back into bed. I lie down, just relaxing. And all I hear is, give it up. And she, it was like, honestly, it was like listening to the, the dead come alive. I began to eyes. Honestly. But I fell in love with it so much. I've downloaded it. I've now downloaded his books. I'm listening to them in the car. Is he someone that, that you... He's amazing. Oh, Damien, he's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Uh, I, the first time I came across Joe Dispenza's work was in the movie The Secret. I, I hadn't, I hadn't, I don't recall ever having heard of Joe or anything else, or, or even coming across any of his stuff. I think I was a bit in love with the with um, John D. Martini. Like I thought he was the ant's pants, and I still think uh, John's concepts and and the way in which you can conceptualize things and and, and definitely rationalize events in your life. I think his, his stuff is unreal, amazing. Um, but when you look at Joe Dispenza's things and, and you consider how powerful the mind is in his book, You Are the Placebo, I think those sorts of things, they just transcend and, uh, and it really is. It's incredible, the, the stuff that he talks about. And, um, and it puts movies like, um, you know, The Secret, um, what, the, what the Bleep and How Far Down the Rabbit Hole puts all of those sorts of movies and ideas into context uh, in, in around your belief systems, your thought processes, all of those sorts of things. So, yeah, I love his stuff. I think he's great. What, a, what a, another great example of an amazing chiropractor. Yeah, uh -huh. de yeah, definitely. Um, and I love his story about, you know, him having his accident at a very young age and how he was told that unless he was operated on, he'd never walk again. He'd never, and he did that all with the mind. That, that's what blows me away. And by the way, Damien, I'm going to his um, Las Vegas um, conference. I'm so excited. It's, um, wow. I'm doing the progressive, not the advanced, but I'm doing the progressive. And he... He does these, he do, he's phenomenal that he does a seminar nearly every second weekend somewhere around the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's oh, very absolutely. They're high energy, those guys. It's amazing. Mm. You know, just, they just continue to, you know, to give and give and give and do and do and do and they just, they just get stuff done. It's amazing. Have you interviewed him? I don't think we have done, Joe. No. Have you, girls? No, but I'm, I might meet him and I just might get his number. I might, I might just email him now. Actually, <laughs> thank you with a go. <laughs> I interviewed him. I interviewed him on Karen's couch. Ah, oh, there we go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Holding have. out, holding out. Yeah. I actually, wow. I actually, I actually interviewed him twice. He's just. <laughs> oh, stop uh, it. <laughs> yeah, him and, By him and Byron, Katie have both been twice on the show. Wow. He's yeah, the the podcast was profound. I just I I discovered him from What the Bleep, yeah. and I remember when I watched What the Bleep, I went, "Oh my god, my god, they know, they know, they know." And then um, I watched Down the Rabbit Hole, and yeah. um, that was just fantastic. And that was when I started following him before even the whole Esther Hicks and um, yes, any of the others that. Yeah, before any, I really looked at any of the others from um, that. What the bleep do we know? Yeah. He is just he's been his his message beautifully evolves, um, and 
I don't know if you guys are familiar with Advaita um, Oneness. It's an Eastern philosophy that comes from, um, well, Eastern in terms of um, Indian, but also there are uh, adaptations and, and, and different philosophies in Zen, very similar. And uh, they talk about a lot of the things that Jody Dispenza talks about. And it's a 5,000-year-old knowledge that we've had forever. And it's now becoming westernized. And people like Joe Dispenza and, um, and a, a handful of others are putting it in language that Westerners can absolutely embrace. And the part that I'm loving about the work that he's doing is that it's so relevant. You know, he really... He, his message evolves. He continues to evolve, um, you know, as people are evolving. He's right at the cutting edge. He's just, his way of articulating a very complex, you know, subject is just profound. I, I find him mesmerizing. I think he's just, if, if any of our listeners haven't actually looked him up yet, you can go to his um, his website. He's, he's, he's really cool. Just Google Joe Dispenza and his, his business is called Encephalon. He's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. You've got to get him, Damien. You've got to yeah, get him. I will. The race Damien. is on. The race is Damien. on. We'll get him. <laughs> do you meditate and do what, – what are some of your self-care rituals that you do to be a wellness guy and to look so incredibly delicious? What is it that you do? <laughs> wow. You're hilarious. <laughs> look, I um, – I've tried so many different things along the way. Um, and the reason why I say that is because up until uh, June – and you girls may or may not know this story, but – you know that Marcus and I went across to Ikaria last year to learn how the Ikarians live life to, you know, live to 100 years old plus. We went across there. We took a group of 16 people over there to experience what that was all like. And um, Marcus and I woke up the first morning. I woke him up. I said, mate, get up, get up. He goes, what's up, what's up? I said, look, check out the sunrise. Let's go for a run. He goes, all right, all right. So we work on our running gear and we run around the hills and we run up and down and there's you know, people on the way to work to go and build stuff and they're going past us and, and they're looking at us wondering what we're running from. And so we just keep on running and we're running and jogging around and I go, wow, it's pretty warm, isn't it? He goes, yeah, it's pretty warm. I said, let's go back and meet everyone for breakfast. So we run back, we go and meet everybody for breakfast and we see some Greek people and um, they said to us, are, are you okay? And we said, yeah, yeah, we just went for a run. They said, what, what did you go? Where did you, well, what were you running from? And oh, we yeah. said, um, we weren't running from anything. We just went for a run just for exercise. They said, you went for a run for exercise? And we said, yeah. And they said, where did you run to? We said, oh, we just ran over there. And they said, did you get anything? We said, no, no, we just went for a run to then come back. They said, oh, that's, that's really strange. Like for them, it was kind of <laughs> like a, it was a, like we're going, yeah, how fit are we? Like we're just going for a run. It, it occurred to me then, that at that point, what was more important to maintain my health and well-being from a fitness uh, perspective was to, um, I suppose, click my thoughts around what exercise and movement really was. And so now I move, um, and I still do. I still do, you know, chin-ups, and I still do my um, pull-ups that I've got. You know, I've got a little bar in my in my uh, my lounge room, and I've got rings out the front from Kale Brock. Kale gave me those, and and I still do <laughs> ring work, and I do that sort of stuff just to keep my upper body strong because I'm a chiropractor, right? So I've got to I've got to make sure that I'm strong, but I don't go and bust it anymore. Like I'm not out there busting it out to kind of get massive. Uh, you know, I've, I've kind of stopped doing that. 
from an exercise perspective, but that's also meant that when I do exercise, I'm being really mindful of it. One of the things that used to stress me out heaps was the idea that I had to go and meditate. Meditation to me was stressful. So I learned um, that I could do it in short little bursts. So um, the the Mindfully Made program, which I'm doing at the moment with Elise um, Bailey, which is, I think, is a really great program. I did that a couple of years ago. We interviewed her on the Wellness Guys, and, and that kind of helped me get into it. And then I did Trevor Hendy's um, Boot Camp for the Soul, and I loved that. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And that helped me get into this mindfulness space. And then I listened to Vicky Kelly a few times uh, with One Minute Mindfulness in her podcast. And just, you know, those little one-minute you know, bits through the day where you can just kind of center yourself and just recollect your thoughts and work out, okay, at the moment I'm adjusting and it's time to, you know, connect my thoughts to my practice members and be really clear on my intention with that. That's really helped me more than finding a chunk of an hour in a day or half an hour a day to go and, you know, um, meditate. I, I just... I'm pretty. I'm reasonably busy in my day, and so I don't get a chance to to take out big chunks. But I can find little one minute spots where I'm able to be mindful, and for me, that works really well. Oh, it's amazing when you when you do the um, that whole mindfulness. It, it, well, the intention of being mindful. It's amazing how it just shifts your entire day, isn't it? it just changes everything. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, there's a lot of people out there that do struggle with, you know, blocking out an amount of time to do meditation. Um, but I've um, I've really found that you can do it in smaller little chunks and they all add up. It's like having a, a great thought. If you have multiples of great thoughts through the day, it, there's a, you know, that's a more compounding effect as opposed to just mm-hmm. one great thought for a long period of time. So what are you doing now, Damo? Like what are you what are you all about right now? I mean, you've got, you've got the amazing wellness couch that's just continually expanding. You've got um, obviously all of us podcasters that, that provide information out to, um, to, to millions of people billions, around the world. Billions of people. Yes. Billions of people around the world. <laughs> in the, in you've, the got, you've got your beautiful forage um, products that you're selling you've got your practice what what are you what are you up to what's your what's your plans like what's your what are you doing with yourself uh probably that's thank that's a great question karen I've, it's been a bit of the last 12 months has been a bit of a, a discovery kind of mission for me i've kind of tried to work out what it is that i'm really meant to be doing and so i've kind of sat with that for a bit and i've really enjoyed going back into practice and seeing people and i love that to bits but i'm also really conscious that i've got a, a message that i want to get out to people so I've, I've been doing my power food talks and i've been getting out there doing my cracky stress code talks and just educating people about the importance of um of a balanced lifestyle so food obviously is part of it but understanding the effects of stress in the body that's a really significant part but you know helping people move towards healthy eating and starting with breakfast i think is a great thing so that's where my forage has, has been a really big thing for me uh to kind of focus on and so i really i suppose battening down and really focusing on practice so it's vita and then and focusing on forage so they're my two things at the moment that i'm focusing on we've got some big plans for the wellness couch and uh, and for wellness summits coming up, I know that this year there's a hiatus. We're not doing a wellness summit this year in 2017, but um, the, there's some really big things happening with that, and uh, we're really excited about how that's going to take shape. But we're working that as a team, so it's Marcus and, and Brett and Lawrence, and myself, and we're working really hard on on how that's going to take shape. But um, for me, it's those two things. But I do love getting out into the public. Um, I think also 
coming off the back of Ikaria, it, was, it really was a life-changing event. I know you girls went over to... Um, um, yeah, Peru. That's right. You did that. And, and that just sounded like the most incredible thing. But for me, uh, that life-changing period of time has, has absolutely sort of quietened my mindset. So I've been playing a fair bit of golf. I'm playing golf once a week at the moment, uh, really trying to check in and just, you know, calm down a little bit. I was in a bit of a, a rapid um, state in my life and I, I kind of realized that, hey, hang on a second, you don't want to wait till you retire before you start to play golf. Why don't you integrate golf into your lifestyle now? So I steal five hours a week and then bring that back into my own life and, and have a bit of a fun, fun time getting out there with some friends and hitting a ball around. That's beautiful. You know, I was talking to um, a really dear friend of mine. We were doing a coaching session on Friday and, you know, they've been fairly well off. They've, you know, um, achieved a lot in their lives. And she just said to me, you know, she said she's 43 and she said, I'm just tired of accumulating things. She said, I want to accumulate experiences. And she said, and I want to simplify my life. Beautiful. Take out all of the complexity and begin to be present to what I actually have. She said, because we're so busy trying to accumulate stuff and get somewhere and be someone, we're not actually present to what is here. And I think it's such a, it's such a profound place to be. And I'm speaking to more and more people who are feeling like that to actually don't wait until you're old to play golf. Like, you know, go do it because life is unfolding every minute. And if you're not, playing golf what are you going to do <laughs> <laughs> that's right you, you know, keep on selling stuff you know you keep on working and and you know yeah. I, I think what it was was the wake-up call was a few of our friends um you know just you know wife went up to bed and left the husband on the couch and the husband never made it to bed you know at the age of 40s oh. or um you know friends playing tennis as a man that i used to look after and he he would come in to get his adjustment every thursday night before he went off to play tennis and then one night he didn't turn up and so, and it continued for a few weeks. And so I called him and I found out that he died of a heart attack on the tennis court. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of think, wow, what, it, you know, our experience on the planet is potentially really short. And my grandfather, who's 98, he always says to me, life's too short, Damien, life's too short. And he's 98. And, um, and so it, it kind of makes you reflect on the most important things. And, of course, for me, that's family time and, uh, and experiences. Mm. It's amazing that, isn't it, how those sorts of big life-changing experiences are the catalysts to um, reflection and to really design to do things differently, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. You have to wonder why. Why does it take a crisis in someone's life? Uh, and, mm-hmm. and some people still don't change. You know, They get a crisis and they go to their doctor and the doctor says, oh, well, we'll just give you this drug and we'll do this. And do I need to change my diet or should I change? No, 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 don't worry about that. You know, And some people don't even get that opportunity. But I, I heard somebody recently say that, uh, and I can't remember who it was, it was only in the last couple of days, that if you have a, an illness or a crisis in your life, it's a good time to re assess what you're doing and where you're going and are you doing the right thing and it's an opportunity for change but many people don't do it until they're in that crisis or somebody near to them dies or you know has a crisis themselves and we're trying we're trying to do prevention at the moment we did a prevention month last month and it seems like it's 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 just not in vogue to prevent. You know, everybody's healing. Everybody wants to, oh, I healed myself of this disease or this disease. Everyone is waiting. You got any comment on that, Damien? 
What, how can we change that mentality around? I think it's a languaging thing, Cindy. You know, we've, um, we've kind of lumped the word healthcare system in with medicine, which is a drug care system or a disease care system. And the interchangeability of words, you know, the, com- the, the, the conference of, of words where people would say that that is the same as another is is very confusing for people. So I think people kind of think that if something goes wrong, that it can be fixed by somebody else. Um, the degree to which people might go and do some kind of prevention is that, oh, I've had a really big summer, so maybe I'll go and do some detoxes. Um, or, you know, we see a lot of gut stuff at the moment. Everyone's trying to heal their gut or everyone's trying to do a gut cleanse or try and um, annihilate some kind of alien parasite that's living in their tummy or whatever. <laughs> you know, knock off stuff but again it's all very reactive and it's part of what we've set up in our medical system mm-hmm. um, in that if there's something that shouldn't be there it needs to be removed or remedied and it's that as opposed to let's just enjoy life and, and move through it and try and do it in a really great way and we've become very fear driven and so as a as a culture in australia we, we kind of respond to pain. So if there's something that's wrong, we'll take a pill for it. If there's something that the pill doesn't fix, we'll get some surgery for it. If there's something that surgery doesn't fix, then maybe we'll try an alternative. And, uh, and, and that's just the wrong way around. It should be, well, something that I've got going on with my body, I need to go and seek some advice for. Maybe I could actually heal that myself. People have become so disempowered. Uh, and I, I think it's, it's the fault of the medical profession uh, in that they've determined that they're the healthcare system as opposed to the disease care system. And you write about being disempowered. I, um, I have to tell you this story. So Kim and I have just been in New York and I have a cousin who lives in New York and um, she has a, a health crisis. Only a young girl has a health crisis. And I said to her, have you made any changes in your life? And she said, no, Why? And I, and I said, do you use Roundup on your gardens? And she said, yeah. And I said, do you spray your house for insects and mosquitoes and things like that? And she said, yes. And I said, um, and what's your diet like? And she said, oh, my diet's really good. But uh, I drink Diet Coke and I do have breakfast cereals. And and I I, I don't know if we're not educated or what what." We think that if we continue to do the same thing, we're going to get a different result. And really, it really upset me actually that she's not been empowered to make changes in her life in order to heal what's happening in her life. And I'm not, I'm not going to say what it is because, um, you know, she she did say it in in confidence. And I, I just go, there's so much that we can do. There's so much that we can look at. We can look at the environment. We can look at the mind. We can look at the the food. But nobody's being empowered to do this. When you're faced with someone like that, Damien, where do you start? <laughs> oh dear, that's like a million dollar question, isn't it? I was, I was reflecting on that because um, in January this year, my stepmother passed away, and in June last year, she was diagnosed with lung cancer. And um, I said to my dad, "Look, Dad, I I can help, but I don't really want to. And the reason why I don't want to is because I'm too close." And he said, "No worries." And I said, "What I'll do is I'll refer you to a friend of mine who can take care of you, and I'm happy to oversee it and supply you with all the things that you need to do, point in the right direction to get, you know, whatever it is that you need to get in order to get through this thing. But there's a lot of things you're going to have to change." 
Anyway, they went away, had a bit of a chat about it, and they said they came back to me and they said, "Look, they called me Jack." They said, "Jack, we're going to um, we're going to do the medical thing. We're going to do radio and chemo first, and we'll see what progress we get with that. And then once we've got on top of the tumor, then we'll start to put some natural things in, and we'll see how we go with that." Um, and that's the way we're going to do it. And I said, oh, why? And they said, oh, because the doctor said that we don't want to, you know, interact with too many things and we don't want to challenge the doctor because they're, they're, they're the experts. They know what, what they're doing. And and I realized then that even though I've been a practitioner for nearly 20 years, um, even my family, some of my family don't get it. I know that um, our, our teachers often said, look, family will be the toughest, family will be the toughest. Don't try and, you know, have your family do what you do. But you kind of hope that, something would be different but anyway the chemo um had a massive effect on my stepmother to the extent that her kidneys and her liver gave way after the first chemo round and they said oh that's really unfortunate we didn't expect that to happen but you know it can happen um so why don't we try a less strong chemo next time and we'll see how we go so they thought, oh, great, we'll be able to try less strong chemo and, and that'll be really good. Well, they did that again and she had a massive reaction. And, and so the tumours never changed size in her body. The tumours stayed exactly the same size. Um, they didn't shrink. They didn't grow. Um, they weren't doing anything more or anything less than what they were when they first were diagnosed. But she died six months later with the inability to speak, the inability to breathe, the inability to eat, uh, constant nausea. Um, worlds of pain, the whole lot. Nothing had changed from a cancer perspective, but the chemo had killed her. But they were told that she died from cancer. And so this is a really interesting you know, thing to consider is that when people are so disempowered that they think that someone else is going to fix them, they just don't know where to start, I think, Cindy. And so people, um, you know, I think people listen to other people first. So I try to refer people to other experts. So instead of me being the expert, I'll say, well, you know, I've heard that this person's doing a great job. Why don't you listen to this podcast? Or why don't you go and search this particular thing? Because, you know, I suppose almost the, the point to which people are ignorant to the information is, is to the extent that they're disengaged from the ability that they can heal themselves in the first place. And uh, because the information's there. And if you and I and Kim and Karen also discovered that information, we've all found it, then it's there for everybody else to get access to as well. It's just that they either don't know where to start and so you've got to point them somewhere um, or they're not ready to start because they're fearful of actually making a mistake. I think that's got, I think that's a big thing. I've got a friend of mine who's going through something at the moment and that fear of getting it wrong and that fear of um, making a mistake is crippling and you know, this, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's kind of immobilizing and i think that's also the reason why people stick to a program you know so let's take you know so i'll just say keto because i wrote an article on it the other day um people who subscribe to the keto eating program or low carb high fat or paleo or vegan or whatever it is want to make sure that they're correct and so that they'll stick to it if they're out there banding it about so those people in the media that are saying this is the only way to go because of this, 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 and this. Mm. They don't ever want to be wrong. So, you know, everything else that might present an, an alternative or extra information that could assist them uh, or, or could assist other people, they're not going to want to see because they don't want to be seen to be making a mistake. And I suppose it almost comes down to an ego thing, which is a real shame. But I know that I, I do believe that you have just uh, um, interviewed Rob Wolf. Yeah. And I've heard- I missed that actually. I missed that. It was oh. actually Brett Lawrence. Yeah, oh. I, we interviewed him some time ago. We interviewed him back in you know, probably episode sixty or maybe fifty something. 
Um, and it's just because Rob's got a new book out that we thought we'd interview him because, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to see where it's going. But I haven't heard that interview yet. Well, I listened to him recently on an interview and um, basically what he said is I was very egotistical. I believe that this is the way it should have been. And he says, you know, as I've learnt more and, and um, you know, gone through a few things, I realised that, you know, perhaps I was wrong and that we... This, this is where we need to go. And that's what I admire in someone. It's a humble man. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. takes a humble, powerful person mm. to be able to admit that they may have been wrong. And, uh, and I think that's, a, that's such a great, that's a great thing to hear that Rob's mm. done that. I'm going to listen to the podcast today. And, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think he was brilliant. I was sitting in a workshop just recently um, and a mother with her daughter was very concerned about her that um, she had had to move overseas. Her husband and her brother had to move overseas and the daughter was left to board at high school. And um, as a consequence of that, the daughter suffered at 15 with apparently quite a lot of separation anxiety and went through a lot of stress and trouble. And the mum obviously felt incredibly guilty and worried and concerned. And so she was taken to a doctor and the doctor said, look, you've got, you know, there's anti-anxiety medication, there's um, anti-depression medication. I can't remember which one or if it was both that she was put on to. Then, as a consequence, she was put onto another medication. Her hormones went all up the rake, so her she wasn't now menstruating. So the doctor then put her on the pill, and then she got really sick. She was she had a cold, so she was put on antibiotics. And for the whole of last year, this girl has been on medication after medication. And the mother's you know a beautiful mum and wants to do what's right. And and then just as she was finishing, she said, and look, she's, she's now got a thyroid issue. And so they're about to put her on this thyroid medication. Um, I, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist and I'm certainly not someone that advocates to know anything really about all of that. But it kind of freaked me as a mum to think that through a thing that sounded like it started out as separation anxiety, which I think is completely natural and very understandable, to end up on three, four, and five different medications, and now it's pointing at the thyroid. The girl's only just turned 16. Oh, that's terrible. I just, I just want to ask you, when you're confronted with that in a situation or someone that you care about saying that, how would Damien answer that? What would, what would be your recommendation? I know you just said before, go and listen to this podcast, go and listen to that. But not, they've been listening to so many people and hearing so many people's different advices. How do you cut through that to actually get them to really want to look at it from another avenue or perhaps is there another way? How would you do that? I'd probably start with a question, I think, Kim, and there'd be people listening to this podcast, and I, and I hope there's still millions of people listening to the podcast, even at this point of the podcast. I, but it's kind of the question um, is, do you think that it's working for you? And and so, and just pausing, you know, do you think that what you're doing is actually working for you? It gives people the opportunity to reflect on the decisions that they're making and in, and whether or not it is working. If they say, I don't really know, I'll say, well, you know, started off with separation anxiety, which could be a normal thing uh, but now you're looking and facing down the barrel you're 16 years old and you're looking at your fifth and sixth medication do you, do you think that's sustainable um and just get them to kind of you know comprehend what they're actually doing you know get the cogs turning to see you know whether or not that's that sits well with them if it sits well with them then let them go for it but um it's hard because our value system in and around health is different to their value system 
Um, and I suppose in, until they see that there's a deficiency or like a big gap, then they may not be, you know, seeking anything else. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Damien. I, no, I, sometimes I just want to scream. I just want to go, I'm sorry, but it's quackery. Um, and I, there's no other word for it. It is absolute quackery. Yep. Polypharmacy quackery, for yep. sure. Yeah, and I don't think I, I can make it any nicer than that because I, <laughs> Kim and I have a, um, a very a, a good friend who is a doctor. Um, and, and she, uh, can you guys hear that? What are we hearing? Uh, that's yeah, I can't, that's I can't good. hear anything. No, all the music just started on my computer just then. And I'm like, oh, yeah, all right. You didn't hear it. But anyway, oh. he's, um, he, uh, he had a sore back and, um, I said to him, oh, why don't you go to a chiropractor? Because he talked about. He was really in a severe way and he was taking these unbelievable painkillers. And, and he looks at me and he goes, why would I go to one of those? There's no scientific evidence that that works. And I said, <laughs> that's well, let, let, yeah, that's ignorant. I said, well, let's look at it this way. You have back pain, you're on drugs. You have this autoimmune disease, you're on drugs. You have this, you're on drugs. I go to a chiropractor. I've never had a drug in my life. I know this is anecdotal, but, you know, let's just put this in perspective for you. <laughs> I, I really challenge him. I do challenge him, but I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to get through to him, ever. Yeah. Yeah. First year, oh, that's, sorry. That's all right. Now, the first year of college is actually told don't refer people to chiropractors because they kill people. Now, there's, there's, if you're talking about evidence, there's no evidence at all that says that chiropractors kill people. In fact, we wouldn't be a profession that's regulated um, around the world by different governments if, if that was the case. But they, um, they're told not to refer and then they are very fearful of what we do do because it's, there's no drugs and there's no surgery and all we're doing is we're working with the nervous system through the spine. So I think there's that unknown. They can't see the link between the nervous system and the function of the whole of the body. In fact, um, they can't get that the nervous system controls the function of the ears or controls the function of the heart or that it controls the function of the kidneys. They, they don't understand that. And then furthermore, they don't understand that any kind of pressure or interference to the nervous system can affect that function. So we're talking big leaps for them because they're, they're so biochemical and reductionist in their approach that they, they just don't see it. But it got time has gone past where anyone can say that there's no research for that or there's no evidence to support that because the, the, mo the money has been spent and there's research out there and it's, it's unequivocal now as to the the impact of chiropractic and the impact of natural medicine and the impact of diet on your overall health. So anyone who says there's no evidence to support it, uh, they, they just haven't read it themselves. And I don't think they've got time. I, I watch these uh, doctor friends of mine that I swim with and, oh, my gosh, they're kept so busy that I don't know when they have time for themselves. Either it's, um, you know, they've got to be studying for something or, you know, they're in the public system and they're working long hours, they work shift work, and they don't seem to live the healthy life, yet we all go to them for this yeah, for our issues. Now, I understand emergency care. I, I would go to them in a second. Me but too. When it, when it comes to healthcare, uh, they're not even living the life. I've watched them. I, like I have three that I swim with and they've all got autoimmune diseases. It, yeah. 
just phenomenal. And they're young. They're not old. They're, they're young. Actually, four have autoimmune diseases that I swim with that are, that are um, either specialists or um, emergency care physicians or, you know, whatever they're doing. It's, it's um, but I, look, I know that this also happens in our profession as well. I've, I've seen chiropractors that are not well and it's in all professions um, and we're all trying the best that we can. And I, I feel like there is so much conflicting information out there. And sometimes, as you said in the beginning of this, Damien, and, and I just love you for this, is that we have to look at the historical perspective of this, that there are other cultures and traditions out there other than Australia um, that believe that, you know, meat's bad for you or that we should be on the low-fat diet or now it's the ketogenic diet. And yeah. I think when we look if we look historically and we have a philosophy, as I know you and I do exactly that same thing, yeah. the confusion's taken out of it. It's gone. There's no second guessing. But I think part of it is is that people lack the, the the philosophy of many people is that they don't have a philosophy, which is hysterical. But many mm-hmm. people just kind of get about life, not really wondering or asking, can they do this better or should they be done any different? They just kind of go, well, this is the rules and this is what I do. Um, and so I think that's that's a you know, that's a big shame. But it's interesting because if you look at one of the original ketogenic programs which was the atkins program you know dr atkins said that you know if you did the atkins program then you'd prevent heart disease and you would um you'd live forever and you'd decrease cancer risk and all this sort of stuff well he died at the age of 57 from heart disease and uh and so you kind of go well that's not a long life and it's just one eating program and i've used keto for hundreds of for thousands of people i've put people onto keto to lose fat fast you know because you need to get a, a rapid shift with some people and i know cindy in your programs um some of the low calorie eating programs that you that you've got would put people into ketosis but it's not forever it's just to get you know a system or something working a bit more efficiently to decrease insulin in the system or to you know cleanse or get rid of insulin resistance or help with PCOS or whatever it actually is. But keto actually can assist with that, but it's not something you need to do forever and ever and ever. So it's understanding the role of these sorts of eating programs for what they're actually designed to do, what they're designed to achieve. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And yes, we, our program does put them into ketosis and very, very quickly um, because it was a survival mechanism for um, many humans in the winter you know carbohydrates were available in the summer but it was it's a survival mechanism and it was a cleansing time because they would clean out their fat cells so you know we do use it but i would i would never keep anybody in it 100 percent uh it just it's not it's not what we did everybody found a carbohydrate and they ate it as early humans i know that's right i know it's fascinating i was uh i was talking with fuad the other day uh, we were interviewing Fuad and Joe Whitten on yeah. uh, I mean, Hunch Not Out, I think it was. And we spoke about ancestral eating, which I thought was really nice. And, you know, we think about where Fuad's from um, and mm. we look at where other, cult- where other people from the wellness couch are from um, in terms of their cultural and their cultural exposure to food and so on and so forth. Um, but many people are trying to subscribe to a particular way. And, uh, and really it should be, you know, what did your great-grandmother's grandmother eat? Because that's kind of what you've been exposed to. That's what you've evolved to better eat, as opposed to listening to what someone says that you have evolved to better eat. Mm. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Damien, would you... 
I want, sorry, I wanted a question. I just wanted to talk to Damien. All right. Damien, I've got a really, I've got a very important question to ask you and I'd love you to be complete. Can I ask you to be completely open and honest with the answer? Sure. Yeah, I do think Australia will beat New Zealand next year. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Which up for a chat girl is your favourite? I just want to know which one. I, I'm putting you on the spot. Who's your favourite? Give it to me. Uh, question, Kimmy. Good question. I actually don't have a favourite. Is that a bad thing? It's me. A little bit. It's it's me, Damien. You know, it's me. Well, you know, know, well, we know that your head is, is absolutely match when it comes to topics of conversation around food. And we know that, Karen's your absolute match when it comes to things around the mind. Therefore, I'm just questioning what my match with you is. <laughs> oh, we've got match. We've got match. We've got the, uh, we've got the, uh, what have we got to match there? No, it's <laughs> You and I have got, we connect, Kim. We, uh, we have mm-hmm. the same sense of humour. We, uh, we love sport to death. You know, we could talk forever and ever about cricket. You know, we've got so mm. much, so much. And I dare say that you are probably the target I, of the wellness guys. Yeah, I'm I, just absolutely. Saying. Like you, I know. That's right. I, we do, absolutely. We, we, we've got that in common too. I do love to rub essential oils on my body, so maybe that's also something. Ah, and glad you said body. Guys. Yeah, I'm glad you said body. Oh, I love it. Oh, <laughs> how's your beautiful wife and son? How's life in that whole arena for you at this time and point? Great, great. Amber's fabulous. You know, she's working really hard and she looks after, you know, hundreds of people in her organisation and, you know, she's such a giver and a carer. I love it and I love her to bits. And then little Jacko, he's just done the live below the line thing, uh, which is an amazing um, experience to, you know, there's a lot of people in Australia that live on very little amounts of money and very little amounts of food. And I shared my experience earlier on with receiving food from the St. Vincent de Paul that, you know, as I said, drop off a garbage bag of food or of bread that was stale. And Jackson decided that he was going to go on this thing called Live Below the Line and try and raise some money to help fight, fight world poverty. And he uh, just completed that last week. But, you know, listen to this one. This is what his diet was. It was rice. He had five eggs to eat for the whole week. Um, he had um, peanut butter. He had bread and oats. And that's all that we could afford. We were able to afford, I think we managed to get two bananas. Um, and that was the only fruit slash vegetable that he was able to get access to um, in terms of having a budget of $10 to live on for a week. And I thought that that was appalling, wow. appalling. You know, in Australia, it's not possible to live on healthy food if you're on a low budget. And that's because we're funding the wrong things, you know. So I, I look at it and I, and I was, I was sad for Jack because there he is struggling. We, you know, we're eating delicious healthy salads and delicious healthy, you know, meals and, and Jackson's stuck there uh, eating rice with an egg stirred through it or he was having just plain oats with a little bit of milk and some uh, and water you know that kind of cooked his oats and people do that anyway so for, for me like to see the courage of this young boy turning into a man he's 16 turned 17 this year really highlighted how far he's come in terms of his his ability to give and to sacrifice himself to assist other people to live a great life. So he's gone on to raise nearly $2,500 already and uh, oh, he'll continue oh, to fundraise, awesome. which is just awesome. So he, he makes me proud, little Jack. 
You're a beautiful man. You're an amazing dad. And we just, we absolutely love you. We consider you a brother, Damo. You're just such a precious. And I just, I have to say, I haven't heard the word poo come out of your mouth once in this whole interview. I'm just, is there any conversation we need? Is there anything we need to add in this conversation? Well, I mean, you sent me a text message earlier on to ask Karen about her poo. And, uh, and, <laughs> So no, I, no. I heard that Karen had done a reverse kanga, and so I wanted to find out more about that, Karen. Hello, what? <laughs> but actually, Danny, you know what? You'll be very what? proud of me. Tell I, me about your poo. Well, I actually went and got a colonic. I got. I had three. Right. Really? And I then went ahead at the same it. time. No, no. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then I went and bought a squatty potty. Oh, great. Excellent. Oh, you're taking good care of yourself. That's good, Karen. I like that. Well done. I thought you'd be very impressed. And you know, when I was lying there, during the process of the colonic. You I thought did. of me. I did. I did. I did think of wow. you. I'm so special. <laughs> As you watch the poo travel past you in a tube. No, 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 I love no, it. No, no, that never happened. No, okay. that never happened. <laughs> hey, Karen, I love before, it. Before we finish up, is there, yeah. is there anything you would love to share with our Up for a Chat listeners and, and tell us, you know, is there anything you're up to or any events or books or programs or anything at all that you've got coming up personally or with the Wellness Guys that you'd love to share with our beautiful listeners? Oh, thanks, Kim. Look, I think I'd love to just direct. I'm I'm doing a lot of writing at the moment and trying to get some stories out there. And I just wrote an article the other day on keto and you know my take on keto and its relevance and you know whether it's worth people getting into. But I, I do do a lot of stuff online, um, and I don't charge for it. I do a lot of free stuff, and but I do do seminars where I do charge. So I'd love people to come along to my Power of Food and my Cracky Stress Code talks, and often I put those up on Facebook and. They're, they're on my, my website as well. And I've got some programs that you can go to there to my website, damienchristoff.com. But really, you know, buy forage, spread the love and, um, and, and, you know, stick to a gluten-free diet. I think that's a really great way to be. You know, if you're avoiding gluten, then you're definitely avoiding wheat and, uh, and try and make it organic where you can. I think that's a great, a great way to start with food. Oh, fabulous. Damien, I'm on your website right now and I have to say it looks fantastic. Absolutely beautifully done. Simple, easy. You can find everything that you want right there at your fingertips. All about forage, your vital lifestyles, the wellness couch, your events, your seminars. Fabulous. Just fabulous. Beautiful. Trying to keep it simple. Yeah. No, it looks fantastic. This has been such a great podcast just to catch up with you and just to hear what inspires you and what drives you and you know, I think for everybody who's listening to today's podcast, you're, you're talking or you're listening to the man behind, um, I guess, the greatness of what Up For A Chat has become. And, you know, along with his co-hosts of Marcus and, Damien, uh, Marcus and Lawrence and Brett, you know, these guys have helped facilitate our ability to reach into the hearts and minds of millions of people across the globe that without them, we would never have been able to reach. So from the bottom of our bottom, um, <laughs> Dama, we are all incredibly grateful to you for what you have created with the couch and Thank what you. you continue to create and your tireless efforts to really try and wake people up to um, 
a much easier, smoother, to, to, to be in flow with food. And that was something that came to me yesterday. I thought it would just be great to be in flow with food. <laughs> and I think that if anybody oozes that message, it's you. You're, you're an amazing human being and a real, a real treat. So thank you for being a part of today's show with us. Oh, thanks so much, Karen. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Cindy. It's been a pleasure and it's, it's definitely worth the wait, you know, to, to get onto your show. So thank you so much for getting me here. <laughs> it's really great. We Honestly, we couldn't be anywhere near as successful as what we are from the couch perspective um, if it wasn't for you three beautiful souls. And, and without you, uh, you know, I don't know what we'd have, but, you know, with your contribution, your continued love and support, you know, we, we continue to grow and and so it's it's with sincere gratitude that I thank you three for, uh, for doing everything you do and spreading the message too. So thank you. I know there's a lot of love going around. Could be some te- tears shed, but it's uh, it's very true. It's very true. Thanks, Damien. You beautiful soul. Mm. So for everybody listening to today's podcast. I know I'm the favourite. Liar, liar, pants <laughs> on fire. Me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Sorry, what's you that character? <laughs> <laughs> I was the first to say I love you, Damien. I just want you to know that. I remember that, Cindy. <laughs> I and Damien, I was the first to really to say that you thought of him while you were having a colonic. I don't know where you're fitting in, my friend. <laughs> Hey, that's how I flirt. Did I just say that? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, oh, my God. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Guys, go on over to Damien's website. It's damienchristoff.com, and you're going to be able to see how to spell his name when you jump onto the show notes. It's K-R-I-S-T-O-F for Freddie. So jump on over to Damien's website, go and check him out and have a look at his blogs. I'm actually just reading one right now, why I keep it raw. And I really love the sound of that. So go on over to his website, read his blogs, go to his events, make sure that you put yourself and really immerse yourself into Damien's world. Because like I said, if you ever want to find flow when it comes to food, mindset, and real comfort in the skin that you're in, Damien's your guy. So make sure that you follow him and you look him up. So we are super, super excited to have brought Damien to you guys to get a personal upfront and in-your-face conversation with him. If you've got any questions or any comments, head on over to all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. And you can post your comments and your questions right there. And we'll even get Damien back on the couch for you guys because he does have one hell of a sexy voice. Also, you can go over to allthews.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. And you can post all of your questions and your comments right there as well. It's been a treat to share Damien with you guys. It's been a treat to hang out with you all, whether you've been running, cleaning your house, reading a book, drinking a cup of tea. It's been an honor to be inside of your lounge room and inside of your thoughts today on Up For A Chat. Join us here next week where we help you become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. And we are going to see you on the ride. Big hugs, everybody. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.